0: Hello and welcome to My On Mondays. Today I'm speaking with international artist, teacher, and speaker Andrew Nemmer. Mentored by Gregory Hines, Andrew is well known as a tap artist, but his work spans music, dance, theater, and visual arts worlds, all as a vehicle for storytelling and community building. Described as a masterly tapper by the New York Times, Andrew has played with Grammy award-winning musicians across multiple genres, founded and directed the tap dance company Cats Paying Dues, and co-founded the Tap Legacy Foundation with Gregory Hines. His work has been recognized with such awards as a TED Fellowship and grants from the National Endowment for the Arts, amongst numerous others. In our conversation, Andrew talks about his foundational years as a dancer, his explorations both within and outside the performing arts, as well as the exploration of his own internal compass and spirituality. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. You founded the TAP Legacy Foundation with Gregory Hines and part of the mission of which is to preserve the oral tradition of tap dance. And I think most people, when they think of dance, they think of it as a purely physical thing. Can you explain to all of us what the oral tradition is of tap?
1: Sure. That's a great question. Thanks. Um, So I like to say everything in tap dance land is about people. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's, there's nothing that uh, that I learned about tap dancing, or that I saw about tap dancing, or even that I heard about tap dancing, that didn't have to do with someone from somewhere. And so, oral traditions are generally just um, things that groups of people do together that tend to be um, tend to be focused on developing or forming or uh, helping to form the identity of that people group, whoever the group of people are who are doing this thing together.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In tap dancing, the actual craft, like the actual dancing, none of it's written down. So there's this ongoing kind of uh, almost need for the people who have been taught by folks from a previous generation to not only remember that stuff, but to find willing students uh for whom they can pass it on and, and share it again
0: yeah Great. Well, that kind of, it leads into my next question and your, I mean, your bio, your list of professional accomplishments is incredibly long and so, you know, even just trying to figure out what I wanted to ask you for this interview was really difficult because there's so much that we could cover and I really encourage listeners to visit your website and um, both yours and the Tap Legacy Foundation and whatever other websites you'd like for me to list because here we can only graze the surface for an interview. Um, But you've been either mentored by or worked with an amazing, really incredible list of artists. Um, Gregory Hines and Savion Glover being some of the more notable and along with legends from before their time and I'd like to know and I'm sure the listeners would as well what has been the most meaningful thing you've gleaned from your time with all of them because I imagine it's not just dance technique
1: no not at all yeah mm-hmm. um wow so gosh I guess I, sh- I should say I was like my time um as a, as a dancer was really just amazing because I was able to be alive Hmm. during when, um, this kind of last generation of elder tap dancers, uh, was still around and they were still up on their feet and dancing and, you know, talking to people. And, and I was one of those people that they talked to. So Mm -hmm. I don't take that for granted it's the thing that allowed me just even the opportunity to be around uh, many of the dancers that I was able to be around. That said, oof, I think the thing that I've gleaned from most of the dancers and it kind of changes, you know, if you had asked me this 10 years ago, my answer probably would be different.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but But right now the thing that's coming to my mind is just, of uh, resilience. Okay. Each one of them had an ability to stick around in a way that the challenges of their own life, whatever they may have been. And some of them had really challenging lives did not show up on the stage. Mm-hmm. And it didn't really even show up in their dancing often. Um, for some of them it did, but more often than not, their dancing had kind of a, a sense of lightness and uh, joy and kind of like a, a heightened expression of all the good stuff. And even, even if the song that they were dancing to or the thing that they were trying to express wasn't, um, wasn't on the, the happy side of things, it wasn't, burdensome it was this is hard and look we're gonna we're gonna dance through this thing
0: yeah sort of channeling from from kind of a place of pure expression almost
1: yeah i mean they they all were unique in their individual connection to their craft Mm -hmm. and so it was, it was really just beautiful to be around, you know, a Jimmy Slide or a Lon Chaney or a Mabel Lee or a Tina Pratt. Mm-hmm. And each one of them would be telling you something about this big craft called tap dance um, that you wouldn't get from the other one. Mm-hmm. Because their personal journey through the craft and, you know, through life was extremely unique. It was theirs. Yeah. And and that journey, you know, their life journey was attached to the way they decided they wanted to dance.
0: God, what a rich, what a rich education. I just, yeah, I, I it, mean, I, I can't even imagine <laughs> what, what that must've been like for you. And this is at what age would you say? Oh gosh. I, uh, age range.
1: I was, I was a teenager through mm. through most of it. Like, teens and 20s
0: wow god such formative years and you're you're able to learn with these people that's so incredibly fortunate i mean i'm sure a lot of it is due to your own hard work but just yeah to be to be able to as you say be alive when they're still alive (laughs) you know it's uh yeah the
1: the opportunity was i mean it's unlike anything else that I've experienced and even in the context of you know learning other things the idea of having access to mentors who are who are that diverse Mm -hmm. and that formed in Mm -hmm. what it is that they do um, I've found to be unique you know across experiences
0: incredible so I mean we're we're talking a little bit about the age you were but also I mean you have kind of a unique background your family your parents immigrated from or emigrated from Lebanon to Canada so you were born in Canada and then you grew up in the states in Virginia and so a lot of your work seems to revolve around the idea of identity. And in one of your videos, you make an, a really important point. Um, and it's something that I've thought about a lot myself. And it's this idea That only certain types of people are meant to be artists or conversely only certain types of people are meant to be scientists or mathematicians or whatever and 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 that also I mean can be applied into tap dance where there's sort of seems to be like a certain identity of a person who would be a tap dancer or a ballet dancer or whatever I think some of this is tied to our own need to feel a sense of belonging, but it also limits us so much. And I'm wondering what it is, what do you think kept you from feeling bound by that as you were growing up? Do you think it, it was your own background straddling cultures? Um, or do you think it was just your own innate desire to explore?
1: I, I think for me, the the first thing that gave me a sense of, uh, playfulness, if if nothing else with regards to, you know, jumping into one space or jumping into another space was the fact that, um, I'm an only child. It's just me and my folks. And as much as my parents kind of love Lebanon and love the things from that country, um, and their their own kind of formative identity there. I didn't grow up in kind of a Lebanese enclave.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, uh,
1: I had the culture of my house, but every place else was like another place with other people and like different kinds of language and different kinds of, um, you know, unwritten rules about the way people interacted socially and, what, what jokes would, you could get away with and what people wouldn't laugh at and all these all these things were kind of areas of discovery very, very early on for me. So when I, when I started tap dancing, I was kind of in the dance school, local dance school space and then I went to you know public school and then ended up at kind of like a, a high school that was specialized. Uh, for science and tech, and they were all different spaces where I was continually, like, learning again, <laughs> like, what the possibilities were. Uh, my folks were, were very encouraging of kind of whatever pursuit I wanted to go for, so I grew up with a sense that anything was possible, and the the hedges around that were... You know do i actually want it and is it actually good
0: and so you ended up um i know that your your degree you'll have to remind me of what it was what the technical title of it was but in in computer
1: computer art with a specialization computer animation
0: okay thank you (laughs) yeah and do i am i remembering correctly that you also um studied was it ornithology or am I confusing this with another conversation that well, the I
1: ornithology had. Charlie Parker tune, um, <laughs> <laughs> which works. So I'll, I'll take that. But, uh, no, I don't have I don't have any other kind of official official degrees. I apprenticed uh, for uh, for a time to become a pastor. Oh, um, okay. I, have, I don't I know where kid. I got
0: the ornithology from. <laughs>
1: I did ichthyology research when I was in high school. Oh so ichthyology,
0: that... <laughs> that was what it was.
1: Oh <laughs> man, that's like that's very deep in the in the record. So I'm very <laughs> impressed
0: that you found that. <laughs> okay. So yeah, so you've covered all these different areas and you so for have were you Did you sort of tap through all of these different things or did you leave tap for a while and then come back to it?
1: No, I was, I was always tap dancing. Okay. And so it's, it's always been kind of, you know, tap dancing is always there. And then there's this other focus or temporary pursuit that, uh, kind of, Allows me to immerse myself in a different specialization, but it all, at the end of the day, it all turns back around to to a larger kind of idea of what craft work is, yeah, and what what being what being a, a person is really.
0: That's another one of my questions, actually. Um, so, in in one of your TED videos you talk about your journey as a student of TAP and then your professional trajectory which eventually led to as you describe hitting hitting your wall or what a lot of people would call burnout and then you talk yeah. about um, realizing the necessity of your own inner journey and um, and the importance of discovering who you're becoming And and this also ties into the question of identity but my question is um you know artists are always exploring um I think themselves and then the world around them but for you who this became a very sort of um a very necessary for your own physical and mental mental health was just to looking inward and discovering who you're becoming so I'm curious who are you becoming as you see it at least in this moment of your life
1: Oh man, I hope I'm becoming um, a more attentive, uh, intentional, prayerful follower of Jesus. You know, for for me, one of the things that happened um, when I hit burnout was that I had to come to the realization and, you know, burnout kind of can help with this. I I wouldn't recommend it, but... (laughs) I kind of had to come to the realization that the way I was thinking about things wasn't producing the outcome that I thought it should Mm -hmm. so instead of thinking that like you know all the other variables were obviously you know poised against my way of thinking I finally just buckled down and the hit and said all right well maybe I'm thinking about this wrong and the thinking for me had to do with the way that I related to my work my family personal relationships kind of every major corner of my life and it was in rethinking well first discovering the assumptions that I was working with and then rethinking them that uh, you know I, I have landed on this new new word journey it and it felt brand new when I found it and then I'm like wow "Wow."
0: (laughs) I'm always really interested in how spirituality affects people's art and their work and you know and how it how it sort of winds itself through people's lives how do you think your um, work as far as like performance and, and what you're doing with dance has evolved or changed or, or maybe just how you approach it since you made this change in your life?
1: Ooh, that's a really good question. Um,
0: that one wasn't on my
1: list. <laughs> hey, <laughs> good audible. Uh, (laughs) so I think of tap dancing as an expression of the who that I am and not just kind of a tool to express whatever, Mm -hmm. especially as an improvisationalist, the choices are much closer to physical memory or to like an emotive reaction than they are to consciously choosing just the right word, just the right moment so that you can get your point across.
0: Because mm-hmm.
1: things are really fast in Taftain's land. Yeah. And so there are propositions um, in the documented words of Jesus that have to do with the nature of reality, that has to do, that have to do with the kind of experience of life that one can have and I would like to think and you know video documentation and probably talking to people who've seen me dance over the course of years would be a better judge of this than me but I'd like to think that my dancing has changed to be a reflection of kind of a, a greater embodiment of the proposition that Jesus has rather than other propositions.
0: Okay. I was curious about, like, when I w- was watching your videos, I was curious if it was improvised or if it was, um, you know, all planned out. and
1: Almost everything that you see online is probably improvised unless I'm with a group. Yeah. Even then, you know, there's there's potential for communal improvisation.
0: Yeah. Wow. I, I it's a it adds a whole new level when you know watching, say, watching a video of you online and knowing that you're improvising that, it's um that's pretty incredible. So, what are you working on right now? What's your artistic focus at the moment? Oh,
1: um, so I have two projects in the work, a band that uh, we just had the opportunity to perform at, locally at the Eagle Jazz Festival earlier in the, in the fall. Um, so that's, that's percolating, you know, to, to be able to put a band together and have enough original music to, to go live is, is something that's not common. And yeah. to hear the music, it's really exciting. So I'm like, okay, where can we do that again?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And the other piece that I have uh, that's in development is an endurance piece, which the idea for it has been floating around for the past seven years. And it's only been in the past maybe year and a half that the creative team for it has kind of found each other. And so those are the two things that I'm that I'm working on that focus wise for my so craft.
0: Can you describe endurance piece What that?
1: Yeah, that's a uh, baseline tap dancing for 12 hours straight.
0: Okay.
1: In the mode of endurance art, like endurance performance art in the mode of uh, endurance protests, the things that we do to shift things.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Either
1: in or even attempting to shift things in the rest of the world, tend, tend to be acts of endurance. And so I've been, I've been thinking about doing this for a very long time um, and just just now seem to be getting to a place where it might be possible.
0: Okay, and is there a specific focus? You know, if, if the goal or the idea is to shift something, is, is there a focus in mind with that, or you, is it just sort of see what happens? don't know yet (laughs) okay (laughs) fair enough yeah
1: there so the piece started on account of uh bearing witness to the syrian civil war
0: okay and
1: and seeing that as literally a a reflection kind of within my lifetime of what my parents went through in lebanon
0: Mm -hmm. yeah
1: and as a tap dancer you know I felt like my choices to engage were somewhat limited and I wanted to do something. And the first thought that came to my mind was I can tap dance for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And so the piece, the piece, the idea for this came out of this idea of how do we respond to the challenges that are set before us? What can we do at, at the bare minimum? If we can, if we can stay engaged for a very long time um, maybe we see something shift maybe we see a, a, a different end than if we didn't show up
0: yeah that's really powerful and then well that brings me back to um, one of my other questions which is going back to the idea of inner work and this is obviously something that you really bring to the table in your own performing. But it's, um, from what I've seen, it's also something that you you teach as well. And this is something that you bring to teaching. And um, I'd love for the listeners to, to know a little bit more about that. So can you tell us a little bit about the work that you do teaching or coaching?
1: Sure. So we just actually wrapped on um, the first pilot course or a spiritual formation for artists. And we're we're hoping to do that kind of as an ongoing uh, seasonal thing. But basically, whether in cap dancing or in other, in other forms, um, there's this really beautiful relationship that artists are attuned to already between the things that we believe, the things that we do, and the people that we become hmm and so in in the courses that I teach and in the coaching that I do, I just try to articulate that and and bring that more to light uh, so that maybe, as it was for me, things that I'd taken for granted for many, 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 many years, I can now have a little bit of space between me and that idea, and then I can play with it and see if if I play in one direction, what happens and if i play in another direction what happens and and the ideas are formative they don't stand outside of the person that i'm becoming as an example if i tap dance every day because i think that if my skill set is solid i would have value as in the market and by having value in the market i will have value as a person Right. That's a that's kind of an insidious idea.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: That's pervasive. And that was that was my practice for a while. Even unbeknownst to me, it was like because I'm immersed in this pursuit of being a career tap dancer. That's kind of the governing idea. Yeah, across
0: disciplines. Yeah.
1: Sure. And so what happens now if there's a different proposition for my personal value? What does that do to my practice? So the the way that I like to approach it is just set a, a different proposition. So if there's another proposition that says instead of market value denoting personal value, say you have a proposition that says you have inherent value regardless of any other relatable or like comparative metric if we take that as the starting point what happens to our art practice what happens to our relationship to the market what happens to our relationship to our friends? what kind of person would we become if we actually believe we had inherent value right and so it takes some time to kind of think through these things and play them out and kind of bump into habits of thought and action. Cause we're, you know, I'm, I'm not super young. So it's like, I, there's some formation in me that's based on some propositions that I might not necessarily even agree with, but I was, I was immersed in them. And so to take a, to, to take a new one and kind of play with it and play it out, uh, even in in small areas, is uh, is kind of the thing I've been I've been trying to do. That's
0: great, and and so important, and and so important to I mean, not just take an account for yourself, or evaluate for yourself, or explore for yourself, but to um, make that part of your practice with the larger community and people who you're mentoring or teaching or whatever that's that's really fantastic um so my last question is I guess going away from the inner and sort of looking outwards I mean, you're very entrenched in in the dance world and the tap world. Is there anything happening currently in the tap world outside of what you're working on yourself that you're particularly interested in or excited about right now?
1: I think the thing I'm most excited about in the tap dance world is, frankly, the immense diversity of dancing and dancers that exist today there's more tap dancing happening right now than I could have ever imagined when I was first coming into this. You know, as an example, I, my short film, a documentary short film screened at the Newport Beach Film Festival a couple of weeks ago. And there were two other films in the block of short films that were focused on dancing that featured tap dancing.
0: Oh wow. Huh.
1: And so in an hour in like two hours of short films, I think there were seven or so films. Three of them had tap dancing in them. And even the curator of the of the block was like, is this new? Is is this new? <laughs> should we be expecting more of this? And I'm like, I I hope so because there's so much activity. That's great. And that's that's really exciting.
0: Well, Just and it's going to get, gonna be really interesting to see how how things evolve too. If there's such a new wave of um, people coming in, I mean, it's 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 always interesting to me to see how art forms evolve over time.
1: Yeah, well, and tap dancing—the commonality across the form is on account of this web of teachers and mentors and mentees and apprentices and students and kind of common vocabulary and such, but the, the individual expressions are equally diverse. So to see those pop up and then to see students of those teachers also begin to find their platform and find out how they're going to kind of use this vehicle in the world becomes really fun and interesting
0: yeah absolutely well Andrew thank you so much for talking with me this has just been lovely I love hearing your perspective and and hearing what you're working on it's just really really fantastic and refreshing
1: and um,
0: thank you so much
1: my pleasure thanks for the opportunity thanks for having me
0: We're so glad you joined us today. We look forward to bringing you more episodes in the Mondays to come.